You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Why I'll Never Make It. In honor of the recent release of The Prom on Netflix, I'm doing a rewind episode with one of the stars from the Broadway production as well as one of its co-producers. I don't know how musical theater actors do what they do eight shows a week. <laughs> yeah, it's and, and not only that, but we had, you know, the prom as events. I mean, they were so great. They all showed up to all these events we had. Yeah, they're getting up at 5 a.m. to do some morning show, and then and then they'll do an event that afternoon, and then they have a show that night. I know. It's, it's, they're it's amazing. Crazy. And yeah. then the, with the dancing and the singing. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and thank you for joining me on this very special episode. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday season, and so just consider this my little gift to you. A walk down memory lane of my interviews with Caitlin Kinnanen, who starred as Emma in the Broadway production of The Prom, and one of the co-producers, Abigail Rose Solomon, who founded Rosalind Productions. Back in March of 2019, I sat down with Caitlin in her dressing room at the Longacre Theater. The prom was several months into its run, and buzz was already starting to percolate as far as Tony Award nominations that season. Caitlin and I talked about her previous Broadway productions of Spring Awakening, which was her Broadway debut back in 2008, and then her next show, The Bridges of Madison County, in 2014. We also discussed her struggle with diabetes, and we pick up with our conversation, dealing with the joys of being a Broadway performer, but also the challenges that come along with that, especially when there's so many years in between those Broadway shows. It's been like a weird, I wouldn't say struggle, but like a weird learning curve in my life that it's like, you can get all of these hopes and dreams that you've always wanted, but then what's the next step? You know, there's always something more that we want. There's right. always the next level. And so, like, that's not saying that you'll never find happiness, but, like, you constantly are working. Like, even at this level, I'm still working my ass off to make things happen, you know? And people assume, like, oh, well, you've done three Broadway shows. It must be so easy for you. And it's like, no, I still had to audition for this show like any other person. Like, this was not just, like, handed to me. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. So, this business is crazy. Yeah, and and, and so that, that actually gets me to, to, to the big question. I mean, what does making it mean to you then? I don't know yet. Hmm. It's like, that, and that's actually been something that like I've been thinking a lot about lately, that it's like, I don't, I don't know that personally I will ever feel like I have quote unquote made it. Like, I don't think there's like there's not a limit that like I will reach that's like, Oh, I've made it. Yeah. You know, like I feel very fortunate to be doing the job I'm doing and I love it so much. But like we talked about this before we started recording that like it could all go away tomorrow. Yeah. You never you know? know that it's yeah. like right now. Yeah. I'm doing great. I'm the lead in a Broadway show. I take the final bow. I am going to all of these cool events. I'm working my butt off to like make this happen. But you never know. Yeah. You cannot count on anything. And I think that's like the pessimist in me, like just like always thinking about like 
the like negative possibilities to not well, get my hopes up and get my hopes crushed. But like, well, don't, well, it's it's a hard balance. But it, but it, it, to me, it's especially in this business. People will say that it's a negative way. People even say that about the title of my show. But but <laughs> yeah, that, but they and for me, it's more like no, this is like reality. Like yeah. and, and 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 I think that it's acting is one of those interesting professions where it counts on us yes. to have to have optimism, to have dreams, to have goals, yes. to be reaching for the stars. But it also requires us to have two feet on the ground, yes. to grind it out, to yeah. be like, I'm here and I, I I haven't heard from any audition in the past three months, but yeah. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's that kind of profession where we have to have both sides yes. of, of that kind of realistic and dreamy yeah. side. Yeah, I think actors are some of the hardest working people. With prom being such a long process, like everyone would always come up to me and be like, oh my God, you're doing prom. That's so great. And it's like, yeah, I'm doing prom, but like, we don't, we're not like in between all of those bits and pieces. Like I still had to pay rent, you know? And so it would right. be like- a, a 29 hour reading of the prom is isn't going to pay anything. No, exactly. And then like, I don't know, like when we announced that we were going to Broadway, everyone was like, oh my God, you have a Broadway show. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting paid yet. Like, so I was we're working- Last year, I was working three jobs and on Medicaid and, like, thought about, like, going on food stamps because I was having such a hard time uh, making wow. ends meet before yeah. this Broadway show, <laughs> you know? And people, like, don't think about that. They don't think about – they see actors and they say, like, oh, my God, your job is so glamorous. And it's, like, it can be glamorous, totally. There's a lot of that. There's I mean, you get to be on podcasts. It. Yeah, I get to be on podcasts in my dressing room. Right. Um, But, like – a lot of the times it's really hard work and no one sees the hard work that we put into our show work. Yeah. You know? Because you've been with this since 2014, yeah. five years to yeah. get where you are. So yeah. I mean, that that's a long time of kind of just making ends meet, doing other yeah. things, as you said. So yeah, it's not just one of these things where, bam, I auditioned, I'm in a Broadway show. Now my life's made. Yeah. It's, and that's not to say that doesn't happen. It like, does it happen. It does happen. But, but but that's not the that's no, not the norm. No. Uh, most people it's like it's like this. Yeah, a five, like my six first year Broadway show, that's how it happened. You right, know? Bam. It was like, like, bam, oh my god, I'm making my Broadway debut. Yeah. But then after that I was like, oh no because like uh, I was talking about this with someone else the other day that it's like in between all of my Broadway shows, flips my hair. Right. Um <laughs> like there were like like the last one I did was five years ago. You know, like there's a five year gap that between was five years ago, wow. Broadway shows yeah. and people like just assume like oh my god you've been on Broadway you're just gonna be on Broadway and it's like no, I haven't been on Broadway in five years like yeah and that's like a short gap right right you've had to like you know just live the life yeah in between then and so with you it's it's because you've mentioned Medicaid, that yeah. that's also something that you have yes. to consider. You yeah, have yeah. to consider your I own have, health. I'm a type 1 diabetic, have been for 19 years now. And it's really stressful mm. um, because ins insurance, we as equity members get insurance if we work a certain number of weeks. And I had not been able to work that number of weeks because of the prom schedule that it's like I would do the lab. And when the lab was going, it like was in a place where it's like, all of the other shows are happening then. So I couldn't be cast in anything all right. to do the lap. So it just like was a whole thing. So I didn't have enough weeks. And so like had, and I'm old enough that I'm not on my parents' insurance. Um, so I had to go on Medicaid and like, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like just an interesting thing. That it's like, yeah, I could not afford my own healthcare because of this Yes, industry yeah, right you know? yeah 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 because you 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 had to kind of make yourself available to this show yeah. wh whatever it needed but that yeah. means you can't be available for other work exactly and that yeah. means i can't afford health care yeah you know and like thank god for medicaid because like my health care expenses are astronomical i can't i can't i can't even imagine you know it's crazy yeah so and and so how how is that i mean there's certainly the financial aspect but yeah. then there's just the the health medical aspect of it. Yeah. How, how is that? <laughs> how has that affected your, your your performance as an actor, but also like booking work? It's interesting because like it's diabetes is an interesting thing because it's like it's an invisible disease. Like no one would know I had it unless mm -hmm. I told them or they like 
know someone else who has diabetes and like saw my insulin pump and they were like, oh, I know what that is. I know you have type 1 diabetes. Um, so like a lot of people don't know I have it. Um, but that's why I like to talk about it and I like to bring awareness to it. Um, because it is hard, you know, like my body has to fight harder to like be a body (laughs) than the average person's, you know, and I have to like pay attention to like, is my blood sugar going to go low on stage? And that makes me feel like shit. And so I have to make sure like my blood sugar is in a certain range before I step on stage. Hmm. Otherwise it will like not feel great doing the show and i'll have to like eat a bunch of fruit snacks throughout the entire play yeah um so yeah it's just like an interesting learning curve but at the same time it's like i've also had it for 19 years so like it's just kind of a part of of who you are you know and it's like i don't really know life without it and so like it just is who i am yeah so it's like one of those things where like in the back of your mind you're thinking about it but in the front it's kind of like not an issue and then every once in a while your blood sugar does go low and you're like, oh shit, yeah, I have diabetes. And so and so you say that, that sometimes that can happen on stage. Yeah. How exactly does that affect you? What exactly um, yeah, happens? Yeah, so when, what, it's different for everybody. It can be, diabetes is also a fun invisible disease that affects everyone differently. Mm-hmm, um, of course. <laughs> woo! Yay, diabetes. So fun. Um, for me, I get really shaky and weak. And so like, you know how it when sometimes when you wake up in the morning and you like try to move like your body and it's just kind of like creaky really and slow, it takes extra yeah. effort to like move your muscles. Mm-hmm. That's what my body will feel like. Mm. Um, D- just kind of like you're under just, thick water, yes. just trying yeah, to move. Yeah. So like that makes it more difficult <laughs> to do anything, yeah, yeah. especially sing and dance. Um. So yeah, and it just like for me becomes like a worry that it's like okay, my body is going through this. If I don't get sugar in time, it'll continue going lower. And if it continues going lower, there's a possibility that I might pass out and then I could go into a coma and then like, just like a spiral (laughs) of things. Right. Like knock on wood. Hopefully it will never. Right. Um, But yeah, so like that's a constant fear in the back of my mind while I'm on stage. Yeah, but because a a wonderful friend of mine in Orlando, she is the mother and her, Mm -hmm. her son, they just found out, I, I want to say it was like a year ago. No. And he's like six. Yep. I mean, I mean, th- this little kid, but, yeah. but, and, and so it's, it's obviously he's six years old. So he kind of knows that yeah. he has to have these shots or different yeah. things, but she's the one who really she, yes. bears the brunt I of it. I honestly do not know how my parents did any of it. Yeah. I like if I had a child with diabetes, I would lock them in a bubble and never let them do anything. Right. And my parents were like, no, you're going to live a completely normal life. And, and we'll just make it work. <laughs> we'll make it work. And like, I don't know, like, I just think about the burden that they had to like deal with. And not saying that like I'm a burden, but like, well, no, I no, it, it is an extra level having yeah. to deal with that. Like having a child is hard enough as mm-hmm. it is, but like adding another thing on top of it that's life threatening like, oh, my God, I was diagnosed when I was eight. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was just like in and out of school and I was keeping up academically, but couldn't keep up socially. And like the school district we were in was kind of crappy anyway. And so my parents were like, let's just homeschool. Um, but like also because of that, like at the time, there have been so many like leaps and bounds with diabetes research and the way it's handled. But at the time, like in school, the nurses were not allowed to, to, to touch me. Like if something were to happen they couldn't give me a shot of glucagon. They were not legally allowed to do that. Hmm. And so my parents were like, well, if something happens to you right. while you're it, at school, they can't help. No one can save you. Oh Great. Yeah. So like things like that. I hope to God it's different now. Um, but yeah, so like it's just stuff that you don't think anyone should have to worry about or worried yeah. about. But like in that same thing, like the six-year-old is like, yeah, whatever. You know, like I don't remember having diabetes until I was 16 and really had to like deal with it on my own. Yeah. So in the show, mm-hmm. you you say that you have to kind of make sure and monitor this blood yes. sugar level. And so what process or what things do you do to make sure that it, what you just hide snacks everywhere? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> there are fruit snacks hidden in many places. Um, our stage managers are awesome and have them all backstage. We've got them in the stage management office. We have them at the call booth. We have them hidden in my bedroom set. We have them on like racks on this, like each side of the stage. It's they're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, and, and how often do you actually have to use those? Um, the- not very often. I like try to do a really good job of like keeping it where it needs to be. But like, I'd say maybe like once a week, 
Mm. I like have to be like, fruit snacks. Yeah. And they just hand them to me then. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love My it. favorite just... point to do it though is at the end of the show um, when we are um, like putting together the final prom. There's a point where like Izzy and I, the woman who plays my girlfriend in the show are like singing on stage together and then we stop singing and we go upstage to talk to Christopher Sieber like quote unquote talk we're not really talking we're like miming the talking while other things happen in front of us but like in that moment there's sometimes when I'm like Izzy tell our stage manager I need fruit snacks when I come off for my quick change and like because Izzy exits the stage first and then I go and sing some more and so Izzy goes and starts her change and tells the stage manager who's on deck that I need fruit snacks right. and then I exit for my quick change and like and you're just eating and changing. scarf down <laughs> fruit snacks during the quick change so yeah we have like systems that that work it. and it's it. I'm incredibly blessed with this company because like they've embraced it it's always something like no one ever like doesn't embrace it but they have gone like above and beyond to make it and, and been like actively like actively ha- a part of it right. you know instead of just like ignoring it or it's like I have a um a Dexcom, which is a continuous glucose monitoring system um, that I just like wear on my body and it tells me what my blood sugar is. I can look at my phone at any moment and it'll just say what my blood sugar is. Oh, it's wow. amazing. Technology okay. has come so far. Right. Um, But with that, it's like an app on my phone and you can share it with people. And so all three of our stage managers downloaded the app onto their oh watches wow. and so they can see what my blood sugar is during the show and so if i go low their watches will get an alarm and they'll like have fruit snacks waiting for me which is like that just it's is incredible. amazing that's amazing it's so wonderful that it's become like a community diabetes <laughs> instead of just <laughs> right? a singular diabetes yeah it's it's like a family I, yeah. I think any show becomes like that but but even more so they they really are now a yeah. part of your like health family yeah and taking care of you yeah that is so amazing yeah You'd mentioned uh, Alyssa, the girlfriend. Yes. And you had originally auditioned for that role, right? Yes. That was the actual yes. part you yeah, came yeah, in yeah. for. So when I auditioned for the show, four and a half years ago, almost five years ago, um, I was called in for the role of Alyssa, which was the girlfriend. And at that point, it was a very like blonde, typical cheerleader role. And I went in for it and I was like, I am not it's right like, for this. This? Hello. <laughs> Um, okay, but I, like, went in for it, um, and the director, Casey Nicolau, was like, hey, so you're really wrong for this part, (laughs) but you're actually really right for the role of Emma. Do you mind, like, going out and looking at these sides and reading them and coming back in and reading for the role of Emma? And I was like, of course not, like, I No, did you know that going in? Did you kind of realize, oh, I'm better for this other part? Yes, but I hadn't, like, said anything, and I was just, like, praying for the best, and they did, so it was all great. Um, but yeah, so I like went out in the hallway and I looked at this monologue, which is now the monologue before, um, Unruly Heart, um, and went back in and did it for them. And then the next day I got a call from my agent saying I'd been cast as Emma. Wait, wait. So like, like from that one. Yep. One audition. Isn't that amazing how that works? It's crazy. You can have shows where you audition literally 20 times. Yeah. And then like. One. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, one. like yeah, like the national tours that I did, it was like a three or four yeah. step process of, of of dancing and singing mm-hmm. and sides and callbacks. And, yeah, right. So it, it was a bunch of different things, and but then with with First Wives Club, uh, again one of those shows yeah. that was was going to go to Broadway, it was right? going to go out of town, it was mm-hmm. going to do its thing. One twenty minute audition, yeah, done, and, and I was cast. Yeah, and, and again we, I mean they they set up the cast much yeah. like the prom. Great people yep. in front of and behind the table. Yeah, way, way oh, to go. We're going to go out amazing. of town, and then, and, yeah. and then then it's gone. Yeah, yeah. So even even wonderful properties like yes. First Wives Club can't get off the ground. Yeah. So 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 it's a testament that when a show finally makes that five six seven year run yeah. and finally lands on Broadway like the Prom has, it's 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 a blessing. Oh, it's a gift. One hundred percent. Yeah. Because it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know? And 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 even once they do get to Broadway. Most of the time, eighty I think something like seventy or eighty percent of them don't make their money back. So they lose money. That's yeah, so that's that's scary. the Broadway norm to lose money. Right? It's so crazy. Why do we do this? <laughs> well, I mean, fortunately <laughs> along the way, I mean you're getting a paycheck. So yeah, it's not like right now, yes. You're it's not like you're having to take the loss. You had to take the losses before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've when you put in my work. dues for the losses. So I think this is fair. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, speaking of speaking of doing the job. 
our job as as actors is is these auditions yeah. and, and kind of it's everything in between yes. actually being on stage. Yes. That that's really our job. And so for you, what is it that keeps you going between those times? Whenever you know, oh, like, like you said, you haven't been on Broadway in in, in five years. Yeah. There's that five year gap. And I mean, just this is something that I love to do, and I've loved to do it from a very young age. I think it is important that people do this job. I think it's important that we tell other people's stories and bring voices to those who don't have them. Um, and so I do it to connect with different audience members. I do it to bring these different life stories to life and so that people can come and see the show and learn something new and have a new experience and leave feeling enlightened and better about the world. Mm. That's why I do it. That's a very high-minded answer. <laughs> Also, it's really fun. <laughs> also, I get to sing also, great songs. I get songs. to sing and dance on stage. <clears throat> dancing, I don't like. I really hate dancing. Oh, no, no, um, no, 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 no. So, like, no, no. I, I don't I, like I don't that part. That. But, like, no. I get to sing. Fortunately, fortunately I, I have seen the show. You don't You don't dance. Your character doesn't dance a lot. But there's that one number at the end that I have to dance. Oh, yes. And I cried so hard having And you're, like, that. in the front. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I'm aware. That, to me, that's even more frightening. It's, it's I mean, awful. it's one thing to be in the back row and dancing and you just follow everyone else. It's another thing when no one's in front of you. I'm not joking when I say I cried. <sighs> I literally cried so many tears having to learn that choreography <laughs> because I was like, my body doesn't know how to do this. Oh, my gosh. It's horrible. No, but I made it. No, three no, years no, yeah, and I made it. Yeah, it took me three years to learn that. <laughs> Never yeah. give up on your dreams. Right. Yeah, some people learn a dance in five minutes, and five years later can still whip it out. No, but I, I, I am not I, that like person. these dancers who like, oh yeah, remember when we did that show like seven God, summers ago, and like, gah, gah, gah. their like their but brains you... work differently than mine. I am no, convinced. No, no, no. I absolutely believe that there's some some physiological mental yes. difference that enables them to move their body in a certain way yes. and remember it. Yeah. Because I, remember, because I, I I don't connect this arm movement to now I kick my leg out. No. It's like, it's like, no, I need to like, just like do it 1700 times and maybe I'll get when it. When I had to learn part of it in Atlanta, they were like talking about what sections of it I would actually be in. And I 100% went up to Casey Nicola and was like, hey, so like, this is a horrible idea. Even if I learn the choreography, it will never look good on my body. <laughs> never. Like, my body is not supposed to move this way. So, like, don't, don't do this to me, please. <laughs> Tears. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to ask a very cynical question. Yeah. Did you ever use the diabetes? Be like, I, I, I can't do that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like, the pump's like, no. look at the pump. I can't do that. Because, I mean, horrible. I mean, that is horrible. I mean, there have been times in, like, rehearsals and stuff that, like, we've been running the number, like, a lot and a lot and a lot. And I'll be like, hey, my blood sugar's low. I I'm going to sip this one out and have but, some fruit snacks. But that's but legitimate. I, that's legit. The only time I've really ever, like, used diabetes to my advantage, advantage was at Disneyland. Oh. Um, because, so, like, it's to my advantage, but also, like, I actually did need it. Um, so, like, with my diabetes, I always have to have certain things with me. I always have, like, an extra pump site change. I always have fruit snacks. I always always have glucagon in my bag mm -hmm. in case of emergencies. There are some rides on Disney in Disney that um, are, like, faster and stronger. So you have to, like, put your bag in a locker oh, to right. go on them. Well, if you have to bring your bag with you, you get to cut the line and go and put it in a medical necessity locker that's, like, really close to the ride. So I get to cut the lines to put my bag in a close locker. You know, you know that's what? That's the only time I've abused my power. You know, you know and, and, and they do the same with kids in wheelchairs. You know, they bring... The, so, I mean, it's... So, you know, that's, that's okay. okay. You you medically needed yeah, to be at the front I'm of the line. Yeah, I medically needed to be at the front of you the line. You know what? I, I'll, I'll allow it. Thank you. Okay. And I will say, like, the person I was at, I was with a bunch of friends, and one of them was like... I'm sorry, but like you've had diabetes for 19 years, you're allowed to cut the line. And I was oh, like, Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I yeah. am. Yeah, Dag Nabbit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the only time I've abused my power, and it's really not that bad. Good. I don't Good. think. I'm gonna go die in a <laughs> no, hole now. No, no, no. I think I think I think that's appropriate use. Okay, okay, okay. Appropriate Thank use. You. I find wonderful about our show is that there's a happy ending, mm -hmm. you know, that we, you see the struggle that they go through, but at the end we get what we want and we embrace love and we, you leave feeling 
empowered and not like, oh, my life is going to be hard, mm -hmm. you know, and that's not something that gets portrayed very often with. Because it does characters. show the reality because because yeah. you do have that the first yes. bad prom yep. in, in, in the in the show where no one shows up. Yeah. So and that's something that actually happened. Yeah. You know, a lot of people come and see the show and they say like, oh, well, this only happened that one time. And it's like, no, it happens every year. Every single year there are LGBT youth across America that Can't go. are barred yeah. from going to their prom. Yeah. Every year. And it's like, that's horrible. Yeah. But like, the yeah, we get to portray that on stage and we get to show people that it does get better and that there are people who will listen to you and there are people that support you. And that's just, that's wonderful. And... There was a lot of backlash with the the Macy's Thanksgiving yes. Parade and the kiss yeah. that was kind of heard around mm -hmm. the country. Yes. Uh, so did you personally ever, ever get any of that backlash or was it more just kind of out it there? It was more just general backlash. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, it what was so cool about it is that, so we were the first LGBTQ kiss on the Macy's Parade, which right. is like a huge honor and such a giant moment like mm -hmm. that should have happened years ago but like the fact that we're doing it now is a positive step in the right direction there was a lot of like backlash and a lot of people across the country who were not happy that their children saw that on live tv um but the most amazing part about it was that for every negative comment we got we got 10 more comments of support and love and like thank you for doing this thank you for showing people that it's just love and it's just normal you know that like that moment is just a part of our show you know it's we love each other and we kiss and that's not a big deal and so to be able to do that on tv was just amazing to be like no this is life it doesn't matter who you love if you love them it's love you and know it, and it is interesting because in in the whole context of the show it's like five seconds yeah out of two and a half hours exactly yeah yeah. And and so it's not like you're just kissing and making out the whole show no. and that's it's not and just like, some lesbian as far fest. As kisses go. It is like it's pretty a, mundane. Yeah. It's like a peck. It's like, "Oh, I'm kissing." Oh, yeah. yeah. Because I I'm, I'm trying to remember in the show is that is the first time yep. you, you've ever like had a lesbian kiss, right? Your character that's the first time no, there's been a kiss. That's just the first time. I mean like backstory. <laughs> We've kissed before. Um but yeah, it's the first kiss in the show that you see between them yeah. yeah well i'm glad that you personally didn't get because like yeah. the social media like twitterverse it's can, can just like be insane yeah and and the slightest little thing and then you know yep. people are like you know death threats yeah so it's, it's a it, lot yeah but we're, we've been very fortunate and we get a lot of love which is great good well speaking of getting a lot of love i'm hoping and i'm sure the whole cast is with tony awards coming up is there is there like thought? Are there like fingers oh crossed? God. Is there There's like so many fingers crossed? But I am trying my hardest not to think about it. You know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you I'm can't. just like putting good energy out into the world and hope the world accepts it. Accepts yeah. it. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, it's it's certainly lasted, and and it certainly seems like that it's doing well. Mm -hmm. We are you doing know, well. Ticket yeah. sales and up, so it's yeah. going, it's going to last through the yes. Tonys, which is. One of the key things, really like though. when shows don't make it to the Tonys, yeah. then... It's tricky, tricky. Yeah. But so but it looks like you guys well. will make through. Yeah. Yeah. Now, have you, have producers come to you or been a part of anything to start to push for or promote or... Um, I mean, not, like, not specifically. I, I myself look at the whole process of, like, I want to do everything in my power personally to put myself in a position that I will look back on this experience and not regret anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went ahead and hired a publicist. Um, and so I'm doing that um, to hopefully help things along. But it's just, you know, it's trying to like better my career and better my opportunities in the future and just putting myself out there in a positive light. And I'm just praying to every God in existence that things go well, but also like trying my damnedest not to put pressure on myself for it you know i just like yeah, it goes back it, to that that it's like i want to look back on this experience and not regret any choice that i've made so i'm doing everything in my power but also like not putting too much pressure on it yeah because it's got to be that balance of yes i, I want to understand the realities mm -hmm. of you know broadway tony awards totally. okay let's because accept that, that is a like completely separate business you know like oh i, it is I, a political, I can only imagine like craziness so it's very just like I'm going to be here. 
and present and see what happens. Right. You're, you're going to do the job that yeah. you that you were hired to do exactly. and that you love doing. Yes. I can only imagine what it's like being on stage with this wonderful cast. It's incredible. Because now, had you worked with anyone in the cast no. before? So yeah, all new people. But yeah. obviously you had seen their work. Yes. Th- these yeah, people it's, are it's amazing. Incredible. What's your favorite moment in the show? Oh, gosh. Um... For my character personally, Unruly Heart is my favorite moment because it's the time when, like, Emma truly owns herself fully. Then you came along, and right or wrong, feelings began to overflow. We had to hide, thinking that no one else could know. And not having you near me was where I drew the line. So I had to conceal this poor, unruly heart of mine. I think with other people, I love being on stage with Brooks. I think he's the most incredible actor, and it's different every night. And it's like (laughs) an exciting, um, just like challenge every single night. And it's, he has so much like depth in his soul that being on stage with him is just like, it's astounding every night. Yeah, because you're seeing with him when, when you're both in in your bedroom and he's kind of mm-hmm. like giving you his story or talking yeah. about, is it is it that scene? That, it's or, truly all of them. Just just, just every <laughs> time he's on stage. Yeah. It's incredible. He's the most amazing performer. They yeah. all are, you know? Like, of, it's, of course. It's insane. So to like share the stage with them yeah. is it, it must is be an absolute, It must be an absolute thrill. Yeah. So the prom is your foreseeable future. Yeah. However long it's going to go. Hopefully forever. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be the I next mean, Phantom. I mean, if I'm still playing a 17-year-old, I hope I will still be playing a 17-year-old next year. <laughs> right, right. So looking forward, when do you think you'll break out, I of, don't know. out of high school land? I honestly think that I'm going to be that person who's like, until I'm 50, I'm going to be playing 17. And then once I hit 50, I all of a sudden will like look like I'm 80. Right. It's all of a sudden so, like, no, no we're like, she's Oh, God, she's a grandma now. Right. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do you, do you have like roles that, you know, that you're not right for because you look 17, but are there roles that's like, you know what? One day I would love to do that. Um, you know, it's actually interesting because I got asked to do um, Broadway Bucket List, um, where you go and like sing songs from your bucket list. Oh, yeah. And so I've been like considering that and what roles I want to play. Um, and the ones like the ones that I'm going to grow out of real soon i really want to play olive in spelling bee like yeah. i love that show and that role so much um so i want to do that and then like i th- i think i'm too old for it already but like in some production somewhere i could maybe do it but like little red i've always wanted to play little red and i think it's i think you maybe, could totally do that maybe the one that's going to get away from me but hopefully one day Soon, soon. Yeah. No. 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 It. It, it, it depends on the casting journey they go on. I, 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 she. She grabbed her face as she said that. It depends on how this face holds together. <laughs> pull it back. <laughs> pull it back just a little bit more. I just gotta keep wearing sunscreen and moisturizer. I think. Right. I'll be and just okay. keep that porcelain pale skin, and you'll always look <gasps> seventy. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. No. 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 It is interesting as as I've gotten older, I've had to like transition out of out of certain roles that. I had hoped to do, yeah. but I'm gr- also growing into roles yes. that when I was in college, I, I couldn't yeah, have Yeah, exactly. So it, it's a constant change, but yes. you've, you've been able to stay stuck for 10 years yeah. in high school yeah. land. Yeah, so I, I, I don't I was, know what's going to happen when it changes. <laughs> I've I've only played a high schooler once, oh my God. and even in high school, I didn't play a high schooler. No, 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 because it, West Side Story, they're all like teenagers, right? Yeah. They're supposed to be like, okay, yeah. okay so I did do that. Okay. I was Pepe. Oh. In West Side Story. Oh, I was no. the tallest, whitest Hispanic person on the state. You know, times I, they are changing. Well, I was in Alabama. Where are they gonna oh, find God. where are they gonna find Hispanics? And so we all just I mean I mean, fortunately we didn't like do like brown yes. face Thank or anything. God. It was just like it was just like regular yeah. makeup, you know, that you did. So it wasn't like anything that yeah. they tried they just sent your Pepe. Great. Okay. <laughs> just but, fighting for no reason. I d- yeah, I know. Yeah, we're just all fighting each other. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, but other than, I think other than West Side Story, and then whenever I was 30, I was in Greece. Oh, So, yeah, yeah. Maybe when I'm 30, I'll play Little Red. See, there you go. There you go. Right, right. Well, yeah, yeah, the promise will be going, obviously. Yeah. And then they'll let you out for like a couple weeks to go do, to go do do this this regional regional production. production. (laughs) 
of red just so you could say you did it. Oh my god. <laughs> crazy but really like into the woods i would play anyone in into the woods like, lo- those are all dream i love roles. that show now have you done a sondheim show no. me neither i've never done a let's sondheim do show it. let's find a regional production to go because i've wanted to do woods. one of the princes I'll, I'll take either one but the one that plays the wolf yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. the one you i would want. be so good at that so i'll do that you'll play red we'll have we'll have brooks bay play the could he do the baker i think so i think i think that I would think be, that would be a great baker okay we're just going to cast into the woods Brilliant. from your show Okay, well, and, and Beth would be the witch. Yes. Obviously. Yeah. Um, I would I would say Angie would be the baker's wife. I would love to see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Christopher would also be the other prince. Oh, oh yes, yes. He, he, he and I would be princes. Um, yes, that's great. See. Who else do we got? Josh Lehman would be the mysterious man. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Um, Into the prom is what we're going to call into it. The into the prom. Um, I love this. Who would Michael Potts be? Michael it, Potts. Who are you gonna say? Well, no. What, well, I, I was trying to figure out who was gonna be Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Jack. Um, I don't know. I think I, I had we a boy should do mind. like a gender bend, and I think Izzy should play Jack, and I think Michael Potts Jackie. should play Jackie. Yeah, and yeah. Michael Potts should play the stepmother. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Why not? It's into the woods. It's anything can happen. And then Courtney Collins, whose name is actually Courtney, but we call her Courtney, um, would play Jack's mom. See? Okay. See? I mean, Perfect! We got it. We've got oh my it. God, we're going to do it. All right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, as, as a former producer, I'm just going to put out the calls. Please do. And put out the offers. Great. And, and then we're, we're going to get this production I already underway. accept mine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And speaking of producing, that leads us to the second half of this Rewind episode, to my conversation in March of 2020 with Abigail Rose Solomon, founder of Rosalind Productions. Now, while Rosalind is similar to her middle name of Rose, her production name actually comes from a more classical source. My company's name is Rosalind Productions after the biggest female role in Shakespeare. And Rosalind drives the story. She is the protagonist, yeah. um, which I don't think is true in any of his other plays. Huh. And um, But I love Shakespeare, but there are just not as many women in Shakespeare. But but even in the more contemporary stuff, it's sort of like, who who is the woman? What it, What is her role? Like, what was so great about the prom is you wrote Emma and then Alyssa and... Angie and Beth's character and they're they're all different ages and they're different looks and then the mom you know Courtney Collins did an incredible job with that mom that could have been sort of the demonized mom but but her acting was extraordinary and really fleshed it out and we fleshed it out in the in the writing as well so that's a lot of really good different female roles in one show I mean that's really hard to find. And of the shows that Rosalind Production has been a part of on Broadway, they have all featured strong female leads. Their first one back in 2010 was The Miracle Worker. Next was 2018's Three Tall Women, then of course The Prom, and their most recent is King Lear, with Glenda Jackson doing a gender-bending role as the title role of King Lear. Abigail is herself also an actress, having done regional and off-Broadway productions. But it is producing where she has found her footing on Broadway. In my conversation with her, we talked about the production that she has done both in Los Angeles as well as New York as an actress, but we eventually get into her producing credits and start talking about how the Broadway musical has really changed over the last 10 or 20 years, becoming a part of the mainstream conversation with the general public namely with the help of shows like Hamilton and the recent Netflix production of The Prom. Now they're doing musicals on, you know, Glee, well, Ryan Murphy, who's doing right? that movie of The Prom. But, exactly. But he, you know, doing Glee and getting people excited about that and then the shows they now do live on television. And, you know, celebrities which who do theater, I mean, they do help bring, um, you know, producers cast them often because they're talented and good, but, but we need certain celebrities to 
to get people to come to plays, to pay for the plays and try to at least make your money back, if not a profit, which, you know, is so hard. Um, But also it does bring people who wouldn't otherwise necessarily come to the theater. And then you hope they go, wow, theater is kind of amazing. I want to go, you know. So speaking of contemporary theater, the problem is certainly your latest project that seems very close to your heart. Actually, all the shows I produce are very much my soul. There have been a few, I don't don't know, every time I've tried to do something just for like the connection, it's never worked out. Hmm. So I I feel like both acting and producing, there's always sort of like, it's not just even from my heart. It's sort of like, I get it. It works out when my soul is involved. And it's not always in my control. I mean, it was in terms of plays I was going to produce, but, but the prom was something, you know, that my uh, partner, Jennifer Kranz, who's amazing. She's my creative director. She brought, made me aware of this amazing show that was coming to Broadway. And I actually saw it on, I didn't know anything about it, but I saw it on the, a workshop video and it was leapt out at me. The actors, Caitlin, the whole team was so extraordinary. I laughed and cried. I saw this videotape and usually doesn't translate well. Right, right. right. If a stage show can translate onto just a a home video, basically, then you know there's something. Right. With no sets or anything. It wasn't even the out of town Atlanta production. It was a (laughs) workshop in a rehearsal room and the actors screamed out at me. It, It was so brilliant. And I was so moved by it. And I laughed out loud consistently four times. I thought, well, this is going to be incredible on stage. So that's how I, I definitely chose the prom. And so how did that process work from you finding out about it, seeing this video? And what was that process of you becoming part of the producing team? I think it was pretty quick because I think it was on its way to Broadway. And so, you know, I met with Dory Banstein, the lead producer, the one who created the show, and um, told her sort of about our marketing background and producing background. And she liked the work that Rosalind Productions had done and what we stand for. Also, I had a very clear mission, which is strong female characters. The I try to stay very um, true to that. You know, the prom obviously has Fits several. That, right. Yeah. Um, uh, pro- ideally, are the protagonist. The prom has more than one female protagonist. So um, she just, we clicked and we, I love the show. And, you know, then they say what they need you to raise, what's in, in what they're going to offer you in return. That's how it works. Yeah. And, um, and we came on board and it, it's been a really, it was really special group. Now, when it comes to the prom, Rosalind Productions was not alone in seeing the magical and wonderful qualities of this musical. In fact, a look at the prom playbill will show 43 names and organizations above the title. 43. So what exactly do all of these people do? What is the job and function of a Broadway producer? Now, the simple answer is that a producer raises money. But there's a lot more involved in it than just that. Many years ago, someone who knows a little bit about producing Broadway musicals had his own definition of what a producer is. Here's what Oscar Hammerstein said about producing. A producer is a rare, paradoxical genius. Hard-headed, soft-hearted. Cautious, reckless. A hopeful innocent in fair weather and a stern pilot in stormy weather. A mathematician who prefers to ignore the laws of mathematics and trust intuition. An idealist, a realist, a practical dreamer, a sophisticated gambler, a stage-struck child. That's a producer. So there's certainly a lot more to producing than just holding the purse strings. But there's also more to the title than just producer. Nowadays, there's lead producer, co-producer, associate producer, executive producer, all of these designations. But what exactly do they mean? Co-producers are the people who are above the title, but the first producers listed are the lead producers, otherwise known as the general partners. And it's their show. I mean, Dory and Bill and Jack, it's their show. And... 
they're in charge of it. And us co-producers come on board and we help raise whatever money we've agreed to. And it's usually listed, uh, you know, in the order of Of, of money raised money, money raised in terms of, but but everybody is above the title. And then there's different levels of involvement. And, and the prom team was very open to us being very involved. So we, um, you know, would give our story ideas as it was developing. And it was in previews to Dory, which, and, and Bill and Jack, who would relay it to the creative team as they saw fit. Right, right. You know what I mean? It's, and, it's kind of one of those things, if they agreed with it, then they would pass it right. on. Right. And also, yeah. I remember Bill saying in, in a meeting, he said, we are hearing certain things from a lot of people. So they're hearing, they're listening to, there were a bunch of co-producers and probably right. other people sort of, pitching in ideas. If there's and, one theme that, that they're all yeah, talking about. Yeah, if a lot probably... of people are saying something isn't working or then and then it goes in previews and but there is a hierarchy to the way things are handled. I mean, even as a a lead so I was a lead producer on the shows that I personally produced. I did right. four in LA and I did three in New York. As a producer, you have to be a good creative producer, someone who watches and sort of sees, and then you you tell the director, you know, you would never go. I mean, some producers may, but me as a producer, I would talk to the director and I would never as a producer go to an actor and say something. (laughs) That's the director's job. And there's that, that I've learned sort of the etiquette and the hierarchy and how things are handled because... Artists are, you know, you have to treat them with care. <laughs> as we you both know. know. The process, as <laughs> right. we know, right? Yeah. And uh, even a good comment can sort of, you know, don't read reviews while you're performing because right, right. even a good comment yeah. can kind of throw you. And you're like, oh, someone thought that was funny, so I'm going to push for the laugh now. And it's just better. So so there's a certain way things begin. But the problem was just, it was a really... Caitlin was talking about on your podcast about how special, for example, the stage management team how, mm-hmm. and, and just there was this, it was the kindest group of people. It was the most inclusive. It was yeah. a show about inclusivity, but actually even sort of the parties and gatherings, sometimes you feel like, oh, the actors are over there. But this was the most open, sort of inclusive, uh, warm group of actors. It really seemed like a family. And the producers were a very kind group. And everybody, oh, my God, we were so invested in that show. I've never been sadder about a show closing. Was was that that sudden? How how did that closing notice come about? Was it a surprise? Um, Well, I mean, you, you look at the box office and you see how it's doing over a certain amount of time and we had a lot of amazing things happening i mean it was a very successful show in so many ways it's just at a certain point financially you you have to make a judgment call Mm -hmm. but but the amount of accolades we got the Tony nominations, we run won the Drama Desk Award. <laughs> We're having a movie with Meryl Streep, you know, and Nicole Kidman in it that's coming out. We're going to be doing a national tour, so the movie will come out ahead of that and, and hopefully make people more aware of uh, and interested in coming to see the tour. But, yeah, there was a heartbreak because that cast mm-hmm. cannot be replicated. I've never seen performances like that and just the energy every night. I mean, it was a show. It was, it was very tricky marketing wise. It was a show that was very, very hard to let people know what it was really about and to get people to come. But I, I, I don't know one person who didn't when they finally did come. People would leave out nightly and say that was the, one of the best shows I've ever seen. And just the energy was always kinetic. It was like a rock concert sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, because whenever I saw it, I actually saw it uh, in December during its run. And the audience was ecstatic almost ever. Every number, there was huge applause and there was so much energy on stage. And even in the softer moments, it was delicately done, but also with passion, as energetic as the big numbers were. So it was a good balance, I think, of both. Yes. Yeah. I was very proud of that show and, and loved it. And it, it has a whole life ahead of it. So. Yeah. One of the, uh, I guess, controversies is that the, the diehard theater fans of the prom, the Broadway production were kind of miffed at that. That cast, as you said, was an amazing cast, didn't get to do or be a part of the movie. What is your reaction to the different castings 
of uh, the Broadway show versus the movie? I mean, this is a question really to ask Dory, but Doryville and Jack were so gracious about not talking about it much uh, while the show was running because it's heartbreaking. I mean, they, Beth and Chris and Brooks and Angie, th- those roles were written for them. Mm-hmm. They helped create them. There's some facts, I think, even about their lives in the show. Um, but a movie has to sell and a movie needs stars like a play these days on Broadway needs right. big stars. Yeah. Now to get Meryl Streep to do it. Are you going to say amazing. no to Meryl? <laughs> right? How can you say loved, no? <laughs> that she loved it. Yeah. That's amazing. And that she wanted to do it. But, you know, I mean, I think that's the economics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great for the prom in that the prom shows how hard it is to sell a show on Broadway that's not a brand, how hard it is to get people to come to theater. Right. Which is something I wanted, was saying I want to try to overcome. So it didn't have a brand. People didn't know what the prom was. You know, nowadays people have the brand is, oh, I know that movie star. Oh, I know that play. It's right. a well-known out of To Kill a Mockingbird. I know that book, To Kill a Mockingbird. I know mm-hmm. Tootsie, you know. So those are all um, help get the, the shows may be absolutely fantastic but they right. help get butts in seats right just right. initially yeah and um it, that it's hard it's hard so the prom movie will hopefully help people will say oh you know i i heard of that movie i heard Meryl streep was in i heard nicole kim or i saw that movie so hopefully that will bring the national tour audiences in more because they'll have an idea of what it is right but uh, but yes, star casting is kind of the the name of the game now. And people like myself who aren't stars, we, we kind of like, well, I could do that. But we get that there needs to be a name sometimes attached to it. And yeah, as a bit, it means the nature of our right. Place. And as a producer and an actor, do you ever have a, like a tug of war with yourself as far as you want to give actors a chance, but you also know that you need a name? Is it- yeah? I mean, if I think about if doing plays, I mean, I haven't. Yet my one of my goals is to lead produce on Broadway and Jennifer, my partner and I are starting to develop our own ideas and it is hard. I mean, you'd think on Broadway, a musical, which we're developing, um, you could have really, I mean, we did in the prom had Tony award winning, really, really well-known Broadway stars. Right. Um, but it's a combination. It's still, to the, the big ubiquitous general public. Right, right. Um, the family coming from Ohio is not going to know who Beth Level is. Exactly. And they is. should. They should know. <laughs> and if they saw the show, maybe now they, they know. would now, but <laughs> but they're not necessarily going to say, oh, I'm going to go to that. They might say, I'll go to Phantom or Lion King or something that they've heard because it's a huge investment. I mean, it's time and it's it's a lot of money. So I get that. But um so but when I do think about plays, definitely. And on Broadway, it seems like you need, I mean, you need major stars on Broadway. It's not, I mean, there are a lot of, they're famous, there are a lot of famous people, but sometimes you kind of need a Daniel Craig level to guarantee you're going to make your money back or profit. Because I saw a show that was like that, a play called The River, a a very subtle show. But it was starred Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm, right. and, and so he's going to put butts in the seats. And I wonder if sometimes do do producers want just butts in the seats and so they think about getting a star? Or does a star ever mean that a show is it's not that great, but if we get a star, then people will come and see it? Because I've seen shows that I think needed a star or it wouldn't have survived. They're, they're, well, Heidi Schreck didn't though. I mean, she's amazing. You know, she had this incredible play. So there you go. Like, there's an example of something that just the, the product. And I made a huge mistake by not being a cute co-producer. I admit, I've told them they, I was offered that show and I was, I was afraid that it wouldn't make its money back because it was a show I loved and thought was incredible. But, but I was worried about that very thing. Yeah. And my bad because you know what? I think it even may have made a profit like, yeah. and it's going to be done regionally around the country. And, and it got nominated for two Tonys and it was nominated for a Pulitzer. Yeah. It was finalist. For I mean, the Pulitzer. Right, finalist. Yeah. So, so that was an example of just a fantastic 
you know, so if it's that good, maybe it can, you know, maybe there is yeah. hope yeah. that artistry wins. And, you know, I was so happy the year that Fun Home won. I thought, yay, art right. won. Yeah. I can't even remember what it ran against, which I'm sure was very good. But, but I just thought, you know, those moments where you think art won. And I'm an artist first and foremost. I mean, yeah. but I'll tell you what, nobody, go, nobody goes into theater for the money. Mm-hmm. People go into film because they think they're money or become film actors because maybe they want money. They imagine they're going to get money. Nobody wants a Fame theater actor yeah. for the money. And nobody yeah. become, and no theater is just something that people kind of are born with loving. I think right. sometimes people come to it a little later in life. Um, but commercial producers all the time, I find are just doing shows they love and they feel like a need to be seen. And sometimes they go in almost knowing that it's not gonna, that it might lose money or whatever, but they just are, are passionate about what's being said. And that's something that I've always wondered about because 80% of shows don't show a profit, you know, so the odds are stacked against you for a show to really be a big hit and to start to make money. So I've always wondered, well, then how do producers sustain that? <laughs> How does the producer stay in business? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they try to keep it open until certain things like award season. That's why it happens. Okay, we didn't win awards, so we're not going to keep going because we didn't get that uptick. Or they just sort of keep open as long as they sort of think or get through a certain season. Um, if you're talking on a personal level, yeah. you know, how producers stay, they, they you know... <laughs> Um, I have found through my entire career, starting with my very first, um, equity job when I was young at Berkeley Repertory Theater and my scene partner was this wonderful man and he had a family and he had, you know, he was a working actor in San Francisco in the Bay Area and he, um, was making it work. And when he didn't have jobs, he he was sometimes doing four jobs at the same time. Mm. And I thought, you know, people who are dedicated to the theater or people who are dedicated to being actors or whatever artists they are, they figure it out. Yeah. You know, whether some come from money, some don't, um, some find a way to make it, some don't, but they will figure it out because they're passionate about what they do. And and that's why I, I love the group of, of New York producers and commercial producers and, and, and artistic directors. And it's just a group of people who just loves theater yeah. and has something to say, whatever it is they want to say and try to say it in the best way possible. When Abigail and I had this conversation, we certainly had no idea what COVID was, what that was going to be, and how that would so dramatically affect not only Broadway, but theater around the country. When it's all said and done, it looks like Broadway may be out of commission for a year, year and a half. And it's really amazing and sad to think about all of the theater that we've lost. The the Tony Awards even got a little muddled because of all of it. And while it is certainly a positive sign that shows like Hamilton were released on Disney+, Plus, The Prom came out on Netflix, it certainly reminds us of the joy and the experience that you can only find in live theater. The last guest of this season, Sammy Kennold, spoke to how other countries, namely South Korea and London to some extent, have kept theater going. And I can only hope and pray that Broadway will finally step in line and start to make theater happen again here in New York City. That is my hope, and 2021 can only go up, right? We can only be better than this year has been. Well, as your host of this show, I so thank you for joining me on Season 4 and can't wait to share more guests and more stories with you for Season 5. That will begin January 13th. Until then, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and I wish you a happy, wonderful, and prosperous New Year.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.